Welcome back to the Alts Podcast. I'm your host, Horatio Ruiz. We bring you industry leaders and creators to give their insights on the rapidly changing and exciting world of alternative assets. Opinions expressed on this podcast by the host and podcast guests are for informational purposes only and should not be considered investment advice. Podcast hosts and guests may maintain positions in the offerings discussed in this podcast. The intro song, Fishing for Pets, is written and composed by Alan Goldscher from his latest release, Live at the Lakeview Lounge. Hi, thank you for joining me today on the Alts Podcast. Today, we're talking wine with guest Alfonso de Gaetano. Alfonso is the founder of Crewrated, a members-only wine platform creating accessibility to new and experienced wine drinkers with bottles from some of the most respected vineyards in the world. Crewrated also uses blockchain technology to track wine shipments from the vineyard to its seller in Burgundy or a buyer's home. We'll discuss why Alfonso uses blockchain and how Crewrated is changing the wine buying experience. I hope you enjoy my conversation with Alfonso. All right, guys. So uh, with us today, we have Alfonso de Gaetano. He's the uh, the founder of Crew Rated, which is a wine membership community that uses the blockchain. And so we found that really interesting. Uh, Alfonso, thank you for being here. Thanks a lot. It's a great pleasure to be here with you. Yeah, really looking forward to learning more about uh, Crew Rated. But, you know, just kind of want to know a little bit more about what the company is and really how it stands out from other either wine investment companies or even wine collector clubs. Perfect. So... Created was born in uh, May of last year. It's almost one year old, and uh, it comes out of two of my passions. One is, uh, you know, technology and innovation. Uh, I spent more than 10 years at Google. I'm actually, uh, you know, looking after publishers, emerging markets from Dubai. And uh, it comes out of my other big passion, that is wine. And I try to put together, you know, technology and wine to try to actually simplify the distribution of fine wines, uh, you know, especially for all the global collectors, especially the younger ones. The ones that have a lot of issues in accessing, you know, the greatest wines being made, you know, especially in the old world, because for now we are just focusing on Italy and France. So interesting. So could you tell me a little bit about like your your journey as a wine enthusiast and kind of what got you into that, you know, having that passion? Because just as an aside, like I've interviewed um, other founders of their companies and they really talk about how the wine, the quality of the wine is important in their culture, right? Whenever you're hosting guests or whenever uh, you're giving wine as a gift, you know, the better the wine, the bigger sign of respect it kind of is, you know? So I was just curious, like what your journey was. Yeah. And that's uh, actually really true in terms of, you know, it started with me when I was working in consulting. So, you know, during the consulting days, that's like 20 years ago. That's where I spent, you know, the beginning of my career, my first 10 years. So actually we used to, you know, go out and spend time with clients. And uh, I wanted to learn about wines to have a topic that is different from just business. Because most of the clients I was dealing with, they had a very strong interest in the world of wine and the complexity of that world. And that's where the passion started. So it started at the beginning mainly to be, you know, a topic uh, where I could engage with clients and build better relationships. And then, you know, uh, with time, 
I started to really enjoy the incredible wines made in France and Italy, I would say. And uh, from that, I really wanted to study more and learn more and, uh, and drink more, uh, especially with, uh, you know, in the right way, meaning that uh, drinking with people that understand wines, uh, doing verticals and horizontal tastings that help you really understand how a wine can actually evolve over time or how similar, let's say, appellations of a specific wine differ in terms of, you know, one making style of different producers and so on. So that really helped me a lot. Uh, and, you know, by actually while learning, I developed, you know, this passion. I became a collector and I found it that, you know, it was actually very helpful both on the business side and on the personal relationship side. Absolutely. You know, you talked about being able to, for the, the members of, you, of Crewrated, talking about giving access to that. One thing that I, I, I kind of picked up on, I, I think you said it somewhere, was once you developed that passion, you had never really felt like you tasted wine in the same way, right? Or maybe you were introduced to a certain brand or a certain wine and you never tasted the wine that way. And I, that's just interesting to me how you kind of, that opened you up a little bit. Yeah, and something that I've noticed with all my friends, you know, that are in similar wine clubs or wine collectors that I know, is that it becomes really difficult to go back once you understand, you know, what high-quality wine can really deliver. I've never seen anyone being able to drink bad wines (laughs) after learning what objectively great wines are. And uh, I've seen this consistently, and this is also what I see, you know, with the community that we are building, because we do a lot of events, and sometimes these kind of events that we organize with the best winemakers in the world in beautiful places. You know, we did them uh, during the Hospice de Bonne in Burgundy. We did them in Stad, in uh, Geneva at the Four Seasons. Now we are doing some fantastic events in some of the best restaurants in the world. And uh, what you see is that after they have these great experiences and they get to know the winemakers, then actually they really understand, you know, how people make great wines and who the great winemakers are. And then they don't really want to go back to what we define as, uh, you know, poor winemakers and so on. Yeah, so interesting. One thing that caught our attention at Alts was how you've incorporated blockchain into uh, your company. And, and I, I want to get into more in depth about your company, about, you know, the, the access that you've given and, and the, the relationships that you've built. I wanted to talk first about that blockchain component. So from what I understand, uh, you're using that technology to be able to track the wine from the moment it's taken from a vineyard, right, from a domain to storage. And I was hoping that you could kind of give an explanation of how that works and also why the blockchain is better or different from traditional tracking methods. Yes. So let, let me start, you know, with the real challenge, correct, that I was facing as a client before even thinking about actually starting a business in this place. So one of the big frustrations that I had when I was buying in auctions was that I was paying quite a lot of money for some bottles. And then when I was opening them, you open the bottle and the wine is completely dead. And you don't know who to blame. Should I blame the producer? Should I blame the bottle that maybe was traveling too much? And then the quality go through in because, you know, wine is a, a live product, correct? So the more you travel in general, the more you expose it to heat or to light and the worse the conditions become. So I was having a lot of these really bad experiences with expensive bottles. 
And the issue was always about, you know, the provenance and the traceability of wine that was missing. So when I actually decided to, you know, create, uh, you know, this company, the first thing was, you know, today there is a technology that can help us with traceability, uh, that is blockchain. And I think that this is what we should do. Uh, but if we are going to do it, we have to do it in the right way. What does it mean? Makes sense, you know, to use blockchain to trace, you know, and track how bottles are moving if you start directly from where the wine is being made, from the producers. It does make sense to use blockchain if bottles are in the market already and they traveled around and you are missing a piece of the history of the bottle. So it makes sense to use technology, okay, if technology can add value. So for us, it was really key, okay, to only work with bottles that come directly from producers for two reasons. One, because the quality is the best possible quality. Yes, it's very difficult to get them, okay? But then if you get them, you know, you have a bottle that is in perfect conditions. And then it makes sense to start to track what is happening with that bottle. So every movement of the bottle is actually tracked in blockchain. So we start from the producer seller, then it gets into our warehouse, and then let's say it it gets shipped to Geneva, to London, then everything is actually reported, you know, in blockchain because the token is moving from the producer to our, let's say, uh, warehouse, and then it's moving to the client. And uh, yeah, and the way clients can actually look at that is by just tapping with their phone. They can tap with their phone on the label. It's a curated label that we add in our warehouse next to each bottle. And uh, it's an NFC label. So it's a unique label as a unique identifier. And when the client is tapping on that, you can see the history of all the movements of that bottle. Okay, so it's born because uh, we actually wanted to enable, you know, uh, blockchain to bring much more transparency to the world of wines. So is every single bottle traced or is it traced by case? Uh, I know you mentioned that there's a label. On every single bottle, we add an NFC label. And then we register every bottle in blockchain. And then clients can actually track the movement of each bottle that we sell. My, I guess my question is, you can't change that blockchain, right? I mean, that it cannot be manipulated. You can't say that this bottle you know, was somewhere else when it, when it wasn't because you can't change it. Is that, that kind of the main advantage of that? This is the, the reason why we are doing this. Because all those information can actually cannot be manipulated, as you said. Uh, because of blockchain technology. If I was controlling the data myself, then I could, after a few years, say, you know, this bottle is now coming directly from the producer, where actually it's not. It doesn't mean that, you know, other companies are doing that. It just means that blockchain, for me, is the best technology that, you know, nobody can really manipulate in order to change, you know, the quality of the data that are added to the you know, to the label. And uh, and I think this is great for, for clients. Alfonso, that's really insightful because, you know, we've, we've done some writing, some newsletters and some podcasts, and we've had, you know, founders from other companies thinking about how to incorporate blockchain. And it seems like you had to think it through. Like, yeah, you could do blockchain, but it wasn't going to work unless it came from the producers. Exactly. As I said, you know, it's critical that, 
you apply and use technology, you know, if it's really adding value, you know, to the ecosystem. I think in this case, with bottles coming directly from producers, it adds a lot of value. For sure, you are restricting the business potential, but on every bottle that you sell, you know, you have the guarantee that the bottle started in perfect conditions and then can be tracked from that moment onwards. That's a big deal. I mean, using that blockchain, uh, and that's that's an example of, of you kind of demystifying this technology. You know, because maybe some people are, are unaware of what it is, or they they find like like a barrier of, of of knowledge, and it really is. You know, you've just incorporated it seamlessly into your process. There is something else that I believe is important. You know, again, going back to the point of adding technology where it makes sense. I think that they there have been some experiments of using blockchain on some bottles in the past, but it doesn't make sense to use such a technology on a bottle that doesn't have, let's say, a long life cycle in a way, or where the value is also in a way going to change over time and possibly increase. So if you buy a three euro bottle that you you have only, let's say, a drinking widow of two years, then it doesn't make sense to you know, add blockchain to that bottle. But if you're buying a bottle that is, uh, you know, 500, 1,000, 2,000 euro, then it becomes very important to add this element because it's also a, a way to preserve the value, you know, of the bottle that you're buying. Could you clarify what that is, uh, that terminology, the 3,000, 4,000? I'm saying if you spend 1,000 euro on a bottle or $1,000 on a bottle, you want to make sure that the technology can help you to preserve the value of that bottle in the best possible way. Certainly. I want to get into the relationships that you've built. You, you hinted at how difficult it was maybe to get the bottle straight from the producers. And I see on your website that you have a, a number of different uh, vineyards listed, some of the most, you know, very well known uh, around Italy and France. How did you build up those relationships and, and how are you able to, how were you able to get the wine straight from, from the producers? Yeah. So first of all, you know, I was traveling a lot to the different wine regions in the past because, you know, as a a real wine lover, the you know the ultimate goal is to go and meet the producer and get to know them and get bottles directly from them because you want the best possible quality. So I had really some great relationships already in place. And then, you know, I felt that there was a lot of frustration about a couple of topics on the producer front. One was the frustration about the speculation happening on their wines and you know, it becomes very difficult to control what's happening to the bottles once they are sold. And there is a lot of speculations where market prices, you know, reach a value that is much, much higher than what actually the producer makes. And this, I didn't feel this was fair for them, where actually our system uh, brings back most of the value back to the producer. And I think that's an important element. But another very important element is that usually the way, let's say, producer were selling in the traditional way is through allocations. So usually the bottles get allocated to distributors and then they get allocated most of the times to the same clients, especially, you know, the, the bottles that are really rare to find. So it becomes very difficult for new wine lovers, new collectors to get access to these wines, if not at a very expensive price. So... Our platform, being a digital-first and digital-only platform, allows also the new collectors, the younger collectors, to actually be able to get access and buy these wines 
and enjoy these wines. So I think this is a very important element for producers because they want their wines to be drunk and they want their wines to be drunk, you know, but many people and not just few that have been collecting them for the past 10, 20 years. So I think these were two very important elements that actually made, uh, you know, producers think about Curated as a platform to develop their direct-to-consumer business through us. So they love the technology part, you know, in the blockchain. They love the fact, you know, that most of the value in general goes back to them. They love the fact that we have access, you know, to younger consumers, you know, that actually want to start to try also the great wines. And through us, they have an opportunity to get access to them. That's so interesting because it's like uh, you're trying to build up the fan base. And you can't do that if you're still only selling to, you know, the people that have been buying from you for years. You have to build it up. And so my, my initial question was like, why would these vineyards be interested in selling their their wine at a lower price? Or, you know, and th- that makes sense. Like if you don't replace or if you don't create more fans, then eventually, you know, maybe you're, you're not going to have as, as many people purchasing it, you know, or, or consuming your product. And many of them are frustrated as well that, you know, these wines, they're just, get seen in auction houses, you know, being flipped from one person to the other with not many people drinking them. And this is a pity because then people cannot really taste and enjoy, you know, these fantastic wines, but they hold in order to possibly, you know, flip and sell the bottles after 5, 10, 20 years. And this is not really great for producers. So having this element of blockchain, I think is key because in case someone is reselling the bottle to someone else, and at least we have visibility on who are the people that are drinking and who are the people that are reselling the bottles. I want to touch on what you said uh, a little bit before, where the blockchain continues to add value to the producers. What do you mean by that exactly? First of all, you know, the drinker, he can tap on with the phone on the bottle. First of all, he can learn more about the wine because every bottle, when you tap with your phone, we have three people working in content development. They can read about the appellation, they can read about the vintage, they can watch videos about the producer that we develop. So we really develop a lot of great content to nurture, you know, the passions of uh, wine lovers. And then, you know, at least with blockchain, the people that is drinking the bottle has the guarantee that the, the wine is actually coming directly from the producer. Uh, you know, what I was explaining before that you open a bottle, you don't know where it's coming from. And then if it's a faulted bottle, maybe you blame the producer. In this case, you will have full knowledge about also the way the bottle was traveling in general around the world. And this will give you more confidence about the fact that, you know, the the quality of the bottle is great. Or maybe if it moved 20 times, at least you are aware of that before you were not. Yeah, and I, from, from what I've learned, that's very important. Uh, you know, the wine really shouldn't be traveling too much. Maybe this is another, uh, you know, value proposition that we bring. Because from day one, I wanted to make sure that, you know, we could manage logistics in the best possible way uh, for producers and for clients. So what we do is that we have a warehouse in Burgundy. So clients that buy wines, they all move to our warehouse. And clients can decide to keep them in perfect conditions for one year, two years, 10 years without having to pay for storage. So we want to make sure that clients can have their virtual seller and then wherever they are, they can actually ship wines. Let's suppose they go two weeks on holidays in Tuscany. Okay, from Burgundy, we can ship the bottles there. Or let's suppose they move 
for their job because they are global executives, I don't know, from Dubai to Hong Kong. Then the bottles are always in France, and then they want three cases, they can ship them to Hong Kong. So the idea is for them to keep the bottles in perfect conditions until they are ready to drink them. And if they want to keep it in our storage, you know, it's a bonded warehouse, so they don't pay for VAT, and they don't pay for storage as well. Okay, I think this is a great way to make sure that the quality of the bottles stays, you know, the best possible one. That's a great value proposition. I was going to uh, ask you this question uh, about the consumption. Is your platform maybe uh, set up for maybe, let's say, buyers that want to invest in it and maybe someday resell it? Or is it really right now you guys are, are, are built for, like you mentioned before, you know, people that are really uh, learning to love wine, discovering new uh, vintages? And I guess my question is, do you see uh, your platform as more of a, a collector platform or, and is there any room there for investors? I think we don't really like to think about not ourselves as wine lovers and not even producers. They like to see wines becoming an object, you know, for uh, investing. So if you look at all our communication that is about nurturing the passions of clients, it's really about enjoying, you know, wines in the best possible way. The brand curated comes from a combination of crew and curated. So the curation for us is key. We have, you know, top-notch, okay, wine lovers and collectors selecting, you know, the best possible winemakers for us. So we see, you know, what we do more as a platform where people can really nurture their passion and enjoy wines. For sure, there are, you know, some of the clients that buy a lot of wines, and maybe some of them, they consume some of them. Maybe, you know, they use it as an investment. But really our primary objective, you know, is to make sure that people can really enjoy the best wines and discover, you know, the the future stars of the world of wines. And we have had quite few already on our platform. Yeah. You know, I was reading the different producers and you have a bunch of them and it's just so interesting, you know, where they're coming from and the histories, right? The histories of the vineyards as well. Let's talk a little bit about the platform. It's a membership platform and you have different tiers, you know, different tiers give you different access to some degree. Why take that membership approach, uh, number one? And then could you take us through how you would go about buying a collection or a certain vintage on the site? Um, Because I saw that there was sort of like an auction approach that you have. Perfect, yes. So first of all, we want to create this sense of community. So ideally, we want people to, you know, to register and be part of this community. Uh, And uh, something that is happening, again, in the world of wines is that uh, very often, you know, you are allowed to buy a specific product, specific appellation, but then you are forced to buy other products that maybe you don't want. And we really wanted to actually remove this concept of bundling. If you love a specific producer, let's say Fourier or Charles Lachaud, you should not be forced to buy other producers that maybe you don't like. Okay? Or we don't want to force people to have a minimum spend, let's say 100K, in order to access to specific wines. So we really wanted to go away okay, from the traditional way of doing uh, business. Definitely, you know, we have different membership tiers and different tiers give you access 
to different uh, level of you know products also because you know some of the grand crew premier crew and so on are more rare so we want to keep that kind of uh, you know more exclusivity on the higher tiers but in general you know we also have a membership it's called explorer that is free where people can actually come and test the platform and see you know they can have access to you know, a big chunk of the wines that we have on the platform and they can try them. And maybe if they like, they can possibly upgrade directly on the platform and start to buy more Premier Crew and Grand Crew. It's really up to them. But we wanted to make sure that there is no constraint for people to actually access Crewrated. So that's why we introduced this Explorer membership type. Okay, so everyone can actually come and register and then they can see in general what is available on the platform. Now, the way we sell is that every week we sell a different top producer. And we have a mix of producers from Burgundy, from Champagne, from Bordeaux, from Piedmont, from Tuscany. Now we are starting also with Veneto and Amarone. So for now, the focus is on Italy and France. And the way we sell is actually quite different depending on the producers. So what we wanted to do in Curated is to have multiple transaction types for producers in order to sell the different kind of products that they have. So in some cases, it can be, let's say, a traditional auction if there is something really rare. So let's take the example of a vertical of 15 vintages of Cro Parantou from Meocamuse. In that case, you know, it was directly from the producer, never done before, from 1990 until 2013, that went as traditional auction. So people come in and they bid against each other. But this is a smaller part of what we sell. The biggest part of what we sell uh, is actually, uh, we always sell lots. We rarely sell specific bottles. So we have, let's suppose, 100 lots of six different appellations of a producer. What happens is that the client, they can see the six bottles there. He has one week to submit only one offer. So they see the minimum price. Let's suppose the market price of these six bottles is 1,000 euro. They see a minimum price of 600. And then they can decide what's the price that they want to offer. It can be 600, 650, 700. At the end of the week, we take the highest 100 offers and we allocate the wines to the 100 winners. And then on the more, let's say, entry-level, but still fantastic wine of these great producers, usually we can also sell via private sales at fixed price. So the platform is very flexible. We have the flexibility to offer everything to, you know, every actually uh, membership tier and every client, or also to make specific offers, private sale at fixed price for specific clients. Okay, so what we really wanted to do with Curated is maximum flexibility and different transaction types. I'm interested in that auction where you mentioned, like to say, the top 100 offers. Are they sold at, at an average? Are they sold at the lowest offer and then every, all 100 bids get sold at that price? Or is it just the bid that the, that the buyer submitted? That's what they're going to pay for the lot. We want to make sure that people feel very comfortable. Okay. And actually, there's a lot of transparency about the process. So if they bid at 500 and they win, they would pay 500. If someone else is bidding at 600 because he's happy to get it at 600, because he wants to maximize the chances of winning and he gets it, then he will pay 600. Everyone, you know, will pay the price that they are happy to pay for that specific lot. Can anybody, anybody in the world, can people in the United States 
be uh, on the platform? Everyone can actually, you know, uh, make offers on, on Curated. Most of the countries, yeah, we cover on Curated, especially all the, you know, the biggest markets. Out of curiosity, what are your biggest markets right now? The biggest markets, I will say that, you know, it's very widespread in general. There is, you know, not a bigger market, but Asia is definitely big. And then uh, Europe, including UK and Switzerland, you know, is, is actually quite big. And then US. A couple of questions, Alfonso. Thank you so much again for uh, for taking the time. So what do you see right now in, in the wine industry? Are there certain regions that are, are popping up to you? I know you've, you're focusing on France and Italy, but maybe, I don't know if you're, you, you're looking to expand somewhere, if, if it gets to that point. Yes, for now, I, I think that the focus will stay on Italy and France. There's a lot to do and discover still in these, you know, two regions. Also in terms of, you know, we are a startup in terms of logistics. I think everything becomes easier if we stay in Europe for now. Definitely we want to expand maybe from next year, you know, in Germany, uh, a little bit in Spain. And then possibly from 2024, we want to go outside because there are a lot of great, you know, winemakers, you know, in US, in Australia, in South Africa and so on, you know, in Latin America. So in general, this is something that we will uh, kickstart, but at a later stage. I think there is still a lot of work, you know, that we can do in Italy and France. There are a lot of new regions, you know, coming out, a lot of fantastic producers, you know, in Calderon, in Jura, in uh, Loire Valley outside, you know, the regions that we cover already. Uh, and we really cherry pick only the best. Can be also just one or two winemakers from very big regions because we want to make sure that we really focus on the, you know, on the best winemakers in the world. It doesn't mean the most expensive, but definitely the, the ones that are making the best possible wines. It's just so interesting. I was reading, just as, as an aside, I was reading recently about how Armenia is coming up and they have some really nice, you know, well-known bottles and, and I would have had no clue, you know, that that uh, these wine experts are, are looking at and drinking wines from Armenia. But that's just kind of an observation. You mentioned that right now you are in uh, Burgundy, Burgundy, and and I was I was looking up the city. You know, I you know you hear about to me Burgundy means wine, but I'm lo- I'm looking it up, and and the city, the town has has a, a history, a charm to it. It's almost like the capital of the, of the wine world, if I could say that to some degree. Why is it so special? Why did you decide to put your 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 uh, your cellar there, uh, and what is it about it that that drew you? So definitely, uh, you know, they've been making uh, some of the best wines in the world for the past uh, thousand years. <laughs> the monks were making wines in the you know one thousand one hundred one thousand two hundred already, uh, and they you know cherry picked you know all these areas in Chambertin, in Bon Romane, and so on. So definitely, you know, they understand you know, the, the wine world and they understand the terroir extremely well. We picked Burgundy, you know, as a region because of uh, it's quite central between, you know, Champagne that is on north, Loire uh, Valley on north, then there is Bordeaux uh, that is five, six hours from Burgundy, then Piedmont, again, four, five hours from, from Burgundy, Coduron is a couple of hours. So it's quite central to the world of fine wines. And definitely is the hottest region today, is where, you know, the, the best wines in the world uh, are being produced, the most expensive wines, uh, definitely also because of the rarity of wines. But for us, it was more a decision about, you know, a logistic hub that can work for all the regions that we want to cover. Alfonso, thank you so much for, for taking the time to talk to us about Curated, about how you incorporated blockchain into it and how your platform is really kind of, you know, stands out from maybe other platforms. 
What are some ways that, that people could learn more about your company? What's the easiest place to get you? Yeah, we are very active on Instagram, on uh, Crew Rated Official. All the content that we develop is actually being published uh, there as well. Uh, we have a lot of uh, following, you know, high quality wine uh, lovers and winemakers, you know, following us. And then definitely on the, on the website, that is, uh, you know, crewrated.com. And we change the page every week with the new producer that we offer the content of the new producer. We talk a bit about the offers. We build catalogs every week. And people can learn about, you know, the specific lots that are being sold. And then they can decide to make offers on the platform. Sounds great. Definitely worth a look. I was exploring your site and I could just, you could get lost just learning about the different uh, partners that you have, the producers that you've made relationships with. You could spend, you know, hours reading up on them. Alfonso, thank you for joining joining me on the Odds Podcast. Uh, it was a pleasure. And uh, hopefully we'll, 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 we'll uh, talk again soon. Thank you. Have a good day. Ciao. Bye-bye. Like any great entrepreneur, Alfonso identified a problem and worked on a solution. His method of tracking bottle shipments brings transparency to the platform and adds value to both consumers and producers. Anyone listening to him can take some advice on the why and how to implement blockchain for their company. Alfonso's relationships with vineyards in Italy and France are quite impressive. It's eye-opening to hear that some of the most well-known winemakers would rather sell their wines for less to cultivate a new generation of wine enthusiasts. I'd like to give a big thanks to Alfonso for joining the podcast all the way from Burgundy, and I'd like to thank you for spending part of your day with Alts. If you enjoyed listening to the podcast, let others know about it or leave a review or a comment. Until the next episode, take care.